Alexa Hyman. This is really exciting. Alexa and I have been connected on Instagram for a long time. And she has an incredible pro-life story um, that she's going to share with us today. But I'm just really excited to have her here to talk about a lot of things, to share her story. Um, one that I think is very relatable for women of all you know, stages in, in life and in their fertility who might find themselves unexpectedly pregnant. Um, I think that Alexa, and I think Alexa will share too, that she has women who reach out to her and express that, you know, her story resonates with them. So we're excited to have this opportunity to share her story today. Um, and also I think to talk a little bit to something that we're both passionate about in this whole conversation is the role that men play and how they can really impact the decisions that women make when they're confronted with the life choice and uh, you know how they how they play a really a really active and pivotal part which is not what you usually hear from people when we're talking about um, you know pregnancy and and also abortion so Alexa thank you so much for coming it's a it's a Saturday morning we're in the loop in the office so we are like the really are almost empty <laughs> yeah we are like full sun today it's really good I love it so um thank you so much Mary Kate yeah. for having me this oh my is gosh my pleasure I'm so excited for you to be here so excited for you to be here do you want to just start right in just like tell us your story you know I mean how tell it however you however you tell it and um we can just let the Holy Spirit kind of guide us where we want to go yeah so um my name is Alexa I'm 26 year old um single mom in in Chicago um but three about little over three years ago, I was living in LA. I had uh, graduated college, did not know what I wanted to do. I was kind of sitting in this analysis paralysis stage of my life, um, trying to figure out um, how I wanted to use my business degree and my journalism degree. Um, I found myself um, with this offer um, in LA to work for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles um, for their digital marketing team. and it was a really exciting opportunity. They were trying to unify the messaging and the, you know, the Catholic brand in LA, and, um, you know, uh, aggregate all this data to help people, you know, volunteer or find masses or confessions or adoration. Um, so it was a really interesting problem, and I am a huge problem solver. So I was really excited about the opportunity. I moved out there at the beginning of 2016. Um, and it was a hard year. It was a hard year of adjustment. Anytime you move somewhere, I think it takes a full year to adjust. Um, but I was dating someone on and off. Um, and about a year later, um, in February of 2017, I found out that I was unexpectedly pregnant. And uh, it's been a while now. I used to get emotional telling this story, but um, it was you know, the hardest day and couple weeks of my life. Um, It was uh, completely out of left field. I had recently ended the relationship. I was ready to move forward. I was looking for other jobs. I was, um, you know, ready to take a pay cut and work for a really cool agency in LA. Um, And it seemed to me like my whole life was ahead of me at that moment. And all of a sudden I found my life had stopped and Um, I mean, I was completely wrapped up in fear and, um, I felt alone. Um, it was one of the most, you know, emotional days and weeks of my life. Um, a lot of my friends, um, were extremely supportive, but in a kind of a generalized way, a lot of my friends were like, Hey, you know, we support you no matter what you choose. 
Um, and so, um, and I was getting pressure um, to have an abortion. So I took one week um, to decide I actually had an abortion date on the calendar. Um, but I took one week and I just could not get over this tiny feeling inside of me, like that there was something growing inside of me. And um, I have always called it this inkling of joy that I felt. Mm -hmm. There was just this tiny, tiny little pit in my stomach that just said like, don't, don't shut down, don't turn off, mm -hmm. don't ignore this. There's something happening to your body that is completely natural. And the idea of having an abortion at that time, as much as I was almost becoming normalized to the idea, um, seemed unnatural to me. Mm -hmm. It seemed like, even though, you know, I went in for my follow-up appointment and this, this doctor looked at me and she goes, yeah, you know, like this is a, at this point it's a sack of tissue. And like, you can see your body's opened up this space and, um, but here's what's in there. You know, there was this feeling inside of me that it's like, yes, it's a massive tissue, but the, the, what it's meant to grow into mm -hmm. is what I couldn't stop thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that my body was changing, um, you know, for instance, I immediately got this crimp. I talk about this on my website when I tell my story, but I immediately got this crimp in the, at the base of my neck in my hair. And my whole life, my mom had this same crimp and I would always ask her about it. Cause she'd be like blow drying her hair, trying to get mm -hmm. the crimp out. And I'm like, why do you have that? And she's like, I got it when I was pregnant with you. Like my hair changed. Oh my gosh. And there's all these like physiological things that happen. Yeah. And that was the first tell. Like before I found out I was pregnant, I, I noticed it and I just knew. And wow. so it's like, there's, there's something happening, you know? And I, I have this theory that, and I'll spend my life trying to prove this theory, but I have this theory that like your body opens up space and so does your heart and so does your brain. Mm -hmm. You know, we know the the changes that take place over, a, you know, a pregnant woman's body over the course of her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I just felt like the space was opening up in my heart trying to process this. And then, you know, over time, the space opens up in your mind as well. And, um, and it felt, it just felt unnatural to me to take something out of that space. Like, what is my body going to do with that space? Mm -hmm. And, um, so it was the day before I was supposed to have the abortion and, I ran into a friend, um, a guy friend of mine, and I didn't know that he knew. We were kind of keeping the news from some people, and he stopped me in the kitchen, just him and I, and he said, um, Alexa, I know. And I go, I know, you know what? And he goes, I know that you're pregnant and you can do this. And it was just this incredible moment where someone said, you can do this to me. Yeah. And I just remember I was so flooded with emotions and um, I literally dropped my knees. A lot of it, I think, was just like hormones taking over. But yeah. like um, it was just this moment where someone had cracked this door open mm -hmm. inside of me that I had closed shut. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to have the abortion. I'm never going to think about it again. And and um, because no one's going to support me in this, really. Mm -hmm. And I'm on my own and like, forget it, you know. Mm -hmm. But he just took that closed door in my heart and just like cracked it open. and was like, you can do this. And he said, and if you don't want to do this, I'll adopt your baby. And gosh, it turns out I still get emotional telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
it was just this pivotal moment in this story where someone looked me in the eye and gave and empowered me mm-hmm. to take a step forward and to lean in and and to think to myself maybe you can really do this mm-hmm. so later that morning I had a meeting with um, a mentor of mine and I kind of I just kept asking him like weird like life philosophical questions <laughs> um, because I didn't want to tell him but I wanted him to somehow get it out of me mm-hmm. and finally we we got on the topic and and I basically admitted to him like yes I'm pregnant and he looked at me and he just said, oh my gosh, Alexa, there's a baby inside of you. And I just, I mean, it was like floodgates open. I just lost it. I just cried so much. And because it was the first time that someone actually showed me joy that first week. And that was incredible. Mm -hmm. And it, it really taught me something in all of this. Um, Well, I'll finish the story. I immediately canceled my abortion appointment and I never looked back Mm -hmm. but um that moment of joy really taught me something it was it was how important it is to not necessarily say to someone like I support you no matter what you decide Mm -hmm. it's actually definitively saying to someone like you can do this you're not alone Mm -hmm. I will be there for you every step of the way Mm -hmm. let's put together a game plan Mm -hmm. it it completely changed my perspective and how I looked at the situation Mm -hmm. because someone took that inkling of joy and actually gave words to it Mm -hmm. and um and and made me feel supported enough to make that decision and to move forward yeah wow and it's it's remarkable to me I mean there's so many things. I think it's amazing that you were able to, um, recognize this space that was opening up inside of you. I also want to say too, and I hope, you know, forgive me for this, but I think when we, I think a lot of us in the pro-life movement, when we think about women who are particularly vulnerable to abortion, we're thinking of, you know, like in Chicago, for example, women who are in poverty Mm -hmm. or who are, you know, like we think of this very particular situation and that was not, that's not your story. That was not your situation, but you were no less vulnerable. Um, and you know, maybe I'm, you know, so you worked for the archdiocese. Were you, what was your community like? I mean, were you in what what you would call a pro-life community? How do you think people received that information based on their own belief system, you know, especially in LA? Yeah, that's a great question because, um, as you can imagine working for the archdiocese, this was like, I mean, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a huge scandal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I, I had no idea how people were going to react. And, um, you know, the interesting grace that I think I was given during that time is when I faced this huge monumental moment in my life, I immediately did not care what anyone thought. Um, and normally I am someone that cares and mm-hmm. cares about the opinions of others. So luckily I, at that time I didn't care, but I was so surprised at how much love I was given and how embraced wow. I was. It It is absolutely a moment where people's pro-life opinions are tested, you know, and really, I mean, you say you're pro-life, but will you actually, when the moment comes, support a woman without judgment Mm -hmm. and show her the love that she needs? Um, And, you know, I mean, my own pro-life stance was tested. Mm -hmm. I have always, you know, I've grown up in a Catholic household. 
I've always said I was pro-life, but I mean, as you can see in that moment, I debated what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very aware of, of how hard that is. And, um, you know, the, the just how much that stance is tested. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I mean, I had a great community of friends. Um, you know, I tell this story all the time. I had a friend at the time who was six months pregnant. She's one of my best friends today. And um, she was one of the people I was most nervous to tell because here she is like in her own pregnancy, so happy, you know, married. She's had this beautiful story of hers and a beautiful, you know, marriage with her husband. And I was just so worried about like, how is she going to react? You know, I'm, and we met at a coffee shop and I remember, I mean, I wasn't showing at the time. I was very early on, um, maybe six weeks in and, um, we just embraced and I just like thought of the Magnificat, you know? And Mm. in that moment I was just so flooded with emotions because the way that when I told her the way Mm -hmm. she embraced me was just with so much love and excitement Mm -hmm. and, um, so there, you know, I was just shocked at how supported I was and mm. these amazing little moments that came and, and, uh, I mean, those are just one of so many. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you ever think about, uh, this is such a grim, you know, thing to consider, but do you ever think about what, where you'd be or what you would be thinking or feeling if you had gone through? with the abortion. Do you ever yeah. think about that? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, oof, now you're really going to get me to cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm a crier. So just so everyone knows, this is not of the ordinary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have thought about it a lot. I mean, I try not to think about it cause yeah. it's so emotional. Yeah. Um, you know, my daughter was born in October. She's my best friend. Yeah. Uh, her name is Renly Jane. And, um, I mean, every single night I look at her and I'm just like, you're my best friend, you know? Um, she's the best thing that ever came into my life. And um, I, I've had moments, um, one after I, I actually did watch that movie Unplanned, mm-hmm. um, which was very difficult for me to watch. Um, and I came home that night and I laid in her crib with her because I'm weird and I do I used to do that when she was smaller (laughs) and I got in her crib and I just um I just touched her hairline and traced my finger down her nose and and I just imagined my life without her and uh, I actually had this kind of picture in my mind I just I could see myself I saw myself in LA I saw myself continuing to go to the beach on week on Malibu on weekends and surf and continue that life that I was living, which was beautiful. But in this moment, when I had this little vision of my life, it looked, it felt so empty and I could see myself, you know, at a dinner where someone's talking about their life and they're telling me about work. And I saw myself across the table and I, I could just feel the emptiness that I would have felt. And, um, I just know, I know myself, I know how much I've struggled with shame in my life. I know how deeply I feel things. I know that it would have, it would have honestly crushed me. Yeah. And 
I also would have never known this joy that I feel with her. And yeah. don't get me wrong, it's it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, surprise pregnancy or not, married or not, motherhood is so hard. And um, and so it's not always pretty, but the the joy that I get from her and from being her mother is a joy like I've never known before mm-hmm. and a fulfillment that I've never known. And so, yeah, I just, I, I think that yeah. um, my life would look completely different, but I would never change it. I mean, I, I say this all the time. I would die for her. I would live the rest of my life alone for her mm-hmm. as long as I have her. She's my whole world. Can you, you mentioned shame, and I think that that is such a, like a huge part of this, um, mm-hmm. because I think some women, when they find out they're pregnant, um, they're, that's their initial like this, it, this feeling of fear, but also of shame yeah. of now I have to wear my choices on my body yes. for eight months. And I'm curious, you know, what, what was that like? What was it? Did you feel shame or, you know, you've mentioned to the, the, just the love that people surrounded you with and, um, and, and you know, maybe, maybe your family, you know, you mentioned growing up in a Catholic family, what was that like sharing that with them and you know, it was that shame present at all in any of your relationships or was it something that, you know, I would hope or I would, I would, I guess I would hope that maybe there was some transformation there mm-hmm. into something else. There was, I, I think in general, I've struggled with shame a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. I've struggled to forgive myself for decisions I've made. I've, um, you know, been in relationships that made me feel used. Um, I, I've struggled with that a lot in my life. I, I actually, um, Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong, mm-hmm. helped me to understand shame in a completely different way and gave me some of the tools to talk about that and then bring that into my prayer life and ask God to mm-hmm. heal that part of me. Um, I, during my pregnancy, it was very hard telling my parents. Um, although they embraced me with so much love, it was very hard for them to process. Yeah. Um, so yes, there was some struggle there. I can't, I wouldn't say I necessarily felt shame with them. It was more just the processing that took a lot of time. Yeah. And you know, everyone goes through their own grieving process. And Mm -hmm. I went through a huge grieving process of letting go of this life that I thought I had or thought was ahead of me letting that go, letting go my selfishness because I no longer could live just for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just letting go of the life I want, wanted versus the life God planned for me. Mm-hmm. That was a huge part of it. And so they had their own grieving process. I, I personally did not, weirdly enough, as someone who struggled with shame mm-hmm. a lot, I did not feel a lot of shame. But I've talked to a lot of women who have. Um, one woman that I, um, she found out she was pregnant the summer after I found out and she reached out to me immediately. I hadn't talked to her in like 10 years mm-hmm. and, um, she reached out and her biggest, um, hurdle with the whole thing was feeling shame, the shame that she might face from her family, mm-hmm. um, and her Catholic community. She did not want to be the single mom at church who's pregnant, you know? Yeah. And that 
I mean, it was very ironic because she comes from an unbelievably pro-life family. They've adopted multiple children, um, are you know heavily involved in their Catholic communities. Um, and so to see someone who's been steeped in that feel yep. so much shame toward it, it was such an amazing irony that I got to witness, but I was able to be there for her and say, listen, like from my own experience, I was embraced with love more than I could have ever imagined. And, you know, your family will too. And, um, anyway, um, so yeah, I yeah. think, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does answer my question. And I think what you're, it is, it's always so interesting to hear those stories, right? one of the, my, one of, we did a, a training tour we called it um in the fall that we i went to 20 different churches across the state and we mm-hmm. basically spent two hours like teaching people about um abortion and here's how you have an empathetic pro-life conversation mm. and one of my biggest takeaways and i've ta- i think i've talked about it on the podcast before is the incredible number of women in the catholic church who are post-abortive mm. and we never talk about it i think like after i yeah. i had a couple of experiences that i went to catholic parishes that someone would come up to me afterward and they would say like i started a respect life ministry here and within two years i had encountered 50 women in our parish community who were post-abortive wow. and um i so i had a couple of these conversations went back and crunched some numbers i think it's possible and i've said this to some people and they've confirmed for me that that's probably the case i think it's possible that as many as like 30 to 40 percent of catholic women are post-abortive i believe that and i think it's amazing too how the devil works because i would believe that or i i would like to believe and this won't be true for every person who says they're pro-life because we're all human, but mm-hmm. I would like to believe that any pro-life person who is confronted with, um, you know, a situation like yours that, or that they, they that they have someone in their life who yeah. finds out she's pregnant and she's not married, that they would only confront that with love and acceptance and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for most people that would probably be true, but the devil plants this fear inside of us and uses shame um, with regards to our sin to make us feel like, how could you ever expect anyone to love and accept where you're coming from? And it's just not consistent with truth and with what we know is true about God. And also I think about, again, I would hope with most Christian people who really have had an encounter with, with the Lord. Um, so I just think that's really, I also think it's really special that you didn't feel that in your pregnancy. That feels like such a grace that Mm -hmm. God was able to sort of give to you in addition to this joy. You know, it's almost, it's, it's really, um, I've never heard a story of a pregnancy, even, even in some of the most awful situations, you know, rape, um, very, I, I don't think I've ever heard a woman say that her pregnancy was filled with, sorrow. Mm -hmm. I think that on some level, we just can't separate new life from that. Even if it's just that little bit of joy that you talk about, because it's, it's, that's the way God made it. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think that's really, really incredible. Yeah. And, um, no, I, I completely agree with that. Do you, um, so can we talk a little bit just about, I mean, some of the relationships in your life, you know, now that Renly, is she, is she three? 
She'll she's be, she'll be two three. and a half, almost okay. two and a half. Mm-hmm. Almost. Okay. Okay. So, um, I mean, what are those relationships like now? I mean, she's, so she's two and a half. She has a personality. She's beginning to develop relationships with people in your life that you've had relationships with for 26 years. Mm-hmm. What is that like to watch? And, um, you know, do you live, you live with your sister, right? I do. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so special. I have two sisters. So yeah. what is it like to observe that and not only experience her as a human being, but experience the relationships that she's creating mm-hmm. with the people in your life? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, um, her dad is involved. We're not together, but her dad is involved in her life and, um, we share time, um, parenting Renly. Um, but she has a good relationship with him. Um, it's been fascinating though. It was very hard for me to swallow that, you know, that, um, unconventional life that I would raise her in, mm-hmm. um, because I come from, uh, you know, parents who have been married for over 26 years. Um, and you know, that's all I ever knew. And it was, it's still is hard for me to, you know, know that that will be her normal, you know, mm-hmm. but what I've learned is she, all that really matters is that she's surrounded with love and that she feels love. And, you know, she's got an amazing relationship with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she drives her every Friday to the suburbs, you know, to be with my parents for a day. Um, she absolutely loves going to my parents. She's obsessed with them and their <laughs> dogs. Um, and she's got an amazing, I have an amazing nanny that comes four days a week. She has an unbelievable relationship with her. They talk in Spanish and Renly says things to me in Spanish that I don't understand. Oh my gosh, and that then, is too funny. <laughs> she will immediately translate them to English for me. Like, oh, sorry, mom, you don't know Spanish. <laughs> you don't speak Spanish. That it's, is so I'm funny. I'm like, okay, relax. I took Spanish, you know, for, until I was in, you know, eighth grade. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my um, gosh, I love that. But, you know, so she's got all these amazing relationships of love in her life. Mm-hmm. And she's an unbelievably happy little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just given me so much hope that, you know, things don't have to be perfect and conventional in order to raise a healthy, you know, loving, lovable child. Mm-hmm. Um And, uh, that's just been such a great lesson for me to learn. And even, you know, it also translates over to the mom guilt, right? Like Mm -hmm. I feel all the time, like I'm not a good enough mom. And I've struggled with that a lot in motherhood. Um, you know, I work full time. So, you know, I initially, I felt so much guilt for going back to work and, um, or if I, you know, then I'm home in the evenings and I feel like I have to be so present. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I've realized at the end of the day is I am enough as long as my child feels loved Mm -hmm. and as long as I love her with my whole heart, which is true, you know, no matter what, no matter how busy I am one day or how distracted I am another or whether I'm sad a different day, um, as long as she knows I have her back and that she's loved and she's secure, then she's, she's going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, you know, we mentioned this a little in the beginning, um, the men, I mean, you mentioned Renly's father. What about the men in your life, your father, friends that you have? I mean, how, um, how has that played a role in your story? And going back to the beginning of your story, when you talk about, you know, the friend that you ran into and then your mentor, both were men Mm -hmm. and they both spoke this truth into your experience 
that I think it sounds like really spoke to you in a very deep way. And I'm curious to hear how that has played a role in, in all of this for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think, um, you know, women are inherently, um, very empathetic and nurturing and we've got these soft features that, um, that brings so much beauty into the world. And depending on our relationship with our father um, or other male relationships in our developmental years, I think that women want to look at men as a sense of security and um, and that they're a protector, um, even though we have our own strength, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think hearing from that first male friend and then the male mentor, um, it just gave me a sense of empowerment to hear a man stand up in that issue. And I think, you know, I've thought about this for a long time. I think men absolutely have a right to be a part of this conversation. Um, in an earlier post on back in February, um, about, you know, supporting women in this, in this situation, a man commented, what about the men? And I think that they're so often left out of the conversation. And you know, I can share a story um, in a little bit about, um, you know, how men's responses to women in these situations are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that um, they just have such an important voice. And it's I think that men feel scared to, to speak up um, because they feel, you know, in this age of, of sort of political correctness, they don't want to step on any women's toes when we're when the messaging is saying to us this is a woman's issue um this is a woman's choice it's a woman's body and um so men just feel like they're not a part of that and they don't have a right to be right but um but they are a part of that right Mm -hmm. i mean it takes two and um and so i just think that uh, there is a lot of opportunity to to empower men and give men the words in that moment to, to step in and say, and to support women who are are facing that decision. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear that story um, that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, I think recently, that's, again, something I've been thinking a lot about recently. I have a couple of friends who um, we've kind of had this ongoing dialogue in the last few months about how do men play a role in, in women's their motherhood, but their ability to choose life, all of these things. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to it. But I think that nowadays, um, men are just not, you know, it's so funny. So like, sorry, so it's like a little bit of a tangential story, but I, I was walking into adoration <laughs> yesterday and this book caught my eye, um, sitting on like a, like a shelf in the entrance of the adoration chapel I was going into. And it was, Oh, I don't, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I actually, I have it in my bag. I took it, so I'm going to return it. But, um, it it was something about, um, like, like shedding, like men leaving boyhood Mm. and I picked it up and I started reading and I could not put it down. The whole book is all about how in, you know, in, in previous cultures, men had to experience this like initiation Mm. in order to leave boyhood and enter into manhood. And for women, it's actually a lot of what you have described. It's a lot of what you've experienced yourself of, you know, I think first and foremost, we have this experience of realizing, um, that we're entering into a different phase of life when our period starts. Mm -hmm. And then through motherhood, through childbirth, there's this real transformation of like, my life will never be the same. Right. And men don't have that same 
type of experience. Oh, interesting. Things have to like happen externally for them to really feel like they've entered into this, this brotherhood, um, of, of manhood with other men. And we're in this society today that because of pornography and video games and all these other things, men are able to avoid that, that entrance into manhood and remain boys throughout their lives. I was, uh, I met with a Bishop here in the Chicago area, not too long ago to talk about Colby house, because I'm just, I'm fascinated by how can we bring men into this conversation? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to talk to him about prison ministry and, you know, what are the conversations that are happening, you know, in, in jail, um, among men who are fathers and can't actively father their children because they're in jail. Right. And he, his exact words to me were, there are men, uh, the men who are in prison are in prison because they are, they, they've never entered into manhood. They're still behaving like boys. Mm. And his, his reasoning behind that is that you can't, um, manhood is something that a man has to receive from another man. And if there's no father or no man there in his life, helping him enter into that, um, he'll just remain a boy. And so I think, um, I'm just, I'm fascinated by how can we empower men to enter into this, this new, this phase. And mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm forgetting where I was going with that was in terms well, of what I, and I, to your point yeah. on, on calling men to step up, that's actually a perfect segue into this story. So I was helping a woman or this woman got in contact with me. She found out she was pregnant on the exact day I did, except for a year or two later, two later. Okay. Wow. And, um, so she, she found my story online. She immediately, uh, I think emailed me I have this um, page on my website um, where I write a letter to women who are facing that immediate, mm. you know, situation. And mm-hmm. then I have a, a, a sign-up form. Mm-hmm. If you're a surprise mama, I'm calling it the Surprise Mamas Club. So I get a lot of submissions through that. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. I yeah. love that. And yeah. so then I reach out to them and I yeah. have a conversation. So I think that's how she found me. And we had this call and um, she was right in the thick of it. I mean, she had found out she was so devastated. She was in this relationship with this guy who she absolutely loved, but he was really struggling with it. And he was full of a lot of fear and he was kind of going back and forth. And, um, and he said, you know, I don't know if we can be together if you choose to have this baby. Mm. And, um, I, I just, I, first of all, I always approach these conversations and say, listen, I'm here just to be a listening ear, to share my experience. I'll never pressure you into any decision. This is your decision, but I will always lean toward um, empowering you to choose life because of my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I shared with her is I just said, look, I think, I think you're in a win-win situation here. Because she kept telling me, um, I really want to keep this baby, but I don't want to lose my relationship. And I said, listen, I think you're in a win-win situation here. You choose to keep this baby and you, you make that choice based on your gut feeling and you honor that. Mm-hmm. And you call this man to step up or this boyfriend to step up as a man. Mm-hmm. And if he steps up, awesome. Win-win. Yeah. If he doesn't step up, then he was never going to step up for you in your life. Amen. And he was, and he was never meant to be in your life. Yeah. So in my opinion you know, you are, you're calling him to his highest point right. and giving him a choice. Yeah. 
and he either loves you to death and then will therefore love your child Mm -hmm. um, or he won't. And that's okay too. But don't, don't get stuck with the lose lose of going against your gut right Right. now, because I hear what you're saying to me. You are saying to me that you want to keep the baby. Mm -hmm. And if you go against that gut, just save the relationship. What if it's not saved? Yeah. And then what are you left with? Oh, that's so wise. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, to me, it makes sense. It's just totally, I mean, so for me, it's a win-win and, um, I just think it's, it's such an opportunity to call men to be men in that situation and to step up. And I think a lot of men do Mm -hmm. some men don't, and that's okay. Um, because we women are strong and we have support systems, um, or we will find them. And, um, but I, I don't know if I have any advice for how to get men to step up who aren't directly involved, Mm -hmm. but what I can say is learn from those guys in my life. Yeah. If you find yourself in those shoes, look at a woman and say, you can do this. Mm -hmm. I will support you. Let's put together a game plan. Let's figure out how you can work out your budget. We will figure out your career. I am here as your friend and I'm with you every step of the way. And that's what men can do. Mm -hmm. And men can talk to other men about this conversation. Like, Mm -hmm. why not at least just invite this dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. I just, again, I go back to, I think men are really afraid to talk about this because they feel like they don't have a voice in the matter. Right. Because they're being so dominated by this mainstream messaging of this is a women's issue. Yeah. And more men need to feel empowered to step up. Yeah. The thing that's so interesting too about the way that you, the way that you express that to that woman in this book, they talk about how for women experiencing motherhood is chemical and very physical that you can't really run from it. Once you've conceived, you know, whether you abort or carried a full term, something has changed physically inside of you. Mm -hmm. But for a man, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be, um, you have to choose to father that child. You have to choose. And so I'm doing the consecration to St. Joseph right now. And this is something that comes up a lot in, in, you know, uh, contemplating St. Joseph and his life is that he was the adoptive father to Christ Mm -hmm. and he didn't, um, he didn't, he wasn't physically or chemically bound to him, but he made that choice to be, to be that person. Um, and and to say yes to that. And men, have to make that choice in all instances. They have to say yes to that um, in whatever shape it takes. And, you know, to your point too, about men feeling like they can speak up. I just, um, you know, Claire Caldwell, have you heard of her? Her? She's so awesome. She, um, terrible with names. No. Yeah. That's (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) She, um, she is an abortion survivor. Her story is so incredible. She just spoke at the March for Life Chicago recently. And I, I've talked about, I think I've talked about this in the last two podcast episodes we've done. Cause again, it's just like really on my heart right now that she, um, uh, her, her story is really remarkable. She was a twin. Her mom tried to abort successfully aborted one twin, didn't know that there was a second baby wow. and then left the abortion clinic and still had one baby inside of her who was alive, who was Claire. And so oh my then she eventually carried Claire to term. 
um, put her up for adoption. And then 20, 21 years later, she and Claire reconnected and Claire had no idea that she had had a twin sister, um, thanked her mom for choosing life. And her mom shared this story with her that I actually did try to abort you and it was unsuccessful, but it successfully, um, took the life of your twin. And so it's just, I think a very, um, you know, it's a really powerful story. The message that she shared at the March for Life Chicago was when you look at my face, you are seeing the face of my aborted twin sister, which is really powerful. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that she said in her remarks that I had never heard anyone in the pro-life movement say before, and it just like struck right at the core of my heart is that she said, women are far more likely to choose life if they have men in their lives telling them that Mm. they can do it. It's something about that male influence. And that's certainly not to say that a woman wouldn't choose life if she right. didn't have a man or that she can't choose life if she doesn't have some male figure telling her that she can do it. Um, but I think that there is something very particular about women yes. knowing that they have the support of, of men. Mm-hmm. Um, we look to men for, for security and that stability. Um I think that's in our relationships, you know, we, we seek that, that, that security and stability and safety. And, um, I think that having that element come into play, um, it, it, it just means something in a way that we really can't, I can't tell you why it means something. I can't describe it, Mm. but having the, the support and acceptance and love of a man is different from well, other things. I, and I, I could add on to that. I think um, a lot of women who are facing pressure from a boyfriend um, or, you know, the guy walks away, there is so much abandonment in that. Yeah. Um, trust me. And uh, I've talked to a lot of women who face that and you feel, I mean, the just the abandonment is just unbelievably real. And so I think that if you feel that way, you know, if you're being rejected in basically the most purest form, because mm-hmm. you are carrying the life of this man or the child of this man's, mm-hmm. and he's saying, no, I don't want it. I don't want you. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, it just feels like the purest form of rejection. Totally. And, um, so I think that another man coming into the picture and not even in a romantic sense, mm-hmm. coming into the picture and saying, no, you are lovable. Mm-hmm. You are strong. I know you, you, you deserve love Mm -hmm. and you are worthy and you are more than enough Mm -hmm. no matter what this person Mm -hmm. thinks of you or said Mm -hmm. and I think so yes I think that that almost fulfills that gap of feeling that abandonment Mm -hmm. and just ultimately feeling unlovable Mm -hmm. because you are you're in you're on a different path than you imagine you would be right you know I personally um struggled a lot with that. Who's going to want to date me? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, how am I going to tell someone this? How, um, you know, I, I'm coming in with all this baggage. That's what I was thinking mm-hmm. for a long time. And, um, and it just simply wasn't true. You know, it, I deserve to be loved and mm-hmm. my daughter deserves to be loved and someone will love us doubly. You know, my dad always jokes. I have a great relationship with my dad, both my parents, but my dad always jokes, um, him and my mom kind of have this like fairy tale relationship. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and he always says when he, if he would have met my mom and she was pregnant with triplets, he would have loved her just as much. Oh. And I just, I always hold on to that because 
it's just so true when you meet someone and you just love them, you know, sorry, I'm kind of veering off now. No, but it's great. I love it. I just think, um, when you love them, it, that's that, you know, and yeah. it's just a bonus that, you yeah. know, Renly is a part of that. Yeah. And that she's this beautiful, spunky little, I just, oh my I gosh. love, I love you, your stories yeah. on Instagram so much. <laughs> I seriously think Renly is way more famous. Someone is coming into town this weekend <laughs> who I don't know, who's coming to visit a friend of mine. Um, and she said on her top three things she needed to do in Chicago was meet Renly. And I was like, who is this person? Who are you? Like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, uh, Renly's <laughs> way more popular than I will ever be. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. She is just so um spunky and oh my she gosh I love it crazy love red it. hair yeah, <laughs> yeah amazing red hair. personality oh, are you Italian I am okay that's what I figured the red hair just cracks me up she's so I know. she's so great oh my gosh I love it um yeah no but everything you're saying um I just love and I Wait, always I want to finish that story actually really oh, quick. Oh, no, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize so, you didn't finish no, it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. As soon Go as ahead. I stopped telling it, I was like, wait, wait, I can't forget to finish the oh, story. No. <laughs> so what happened with this story, though, with this woman that I spoke to who got pregnant on the same day as me two years later, her she decided to keep the baby, and the, the, her boyfriend completely came around, was so excited. Oh. Um, they have an amazing relationship. They're now engaged. They sent me the photos of the baby announcement. Oh. They sent me the photos of the gender reveal. Their daughter is beautiful and they're engaged to be married and it's just a beautiful story Mm. of of saying let this guy step up yeah and he did and he's an amazing partner to her and she's she's never looked happier I mean it's just you can just see the joy so amazing Mm -hmm. it's so amazing that you um have turned your whole experience into an opportunity for other women to like learn from you and find support in you. I mean, that this is like a real ministry, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, do you want to really quick? Well, yeah, really quick. Do you want to share, um, you know, like your Instagram handle website? Yeah. It's, I mean, sure. I've got a couple more minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me. I, I published my story and launched a website called, um, back in mm-hmm. Um, I called it that because I found out I was um, unexpectedly pregnant in February of 2017. Um, And I talk about how we all have a February. We all experience unexpected change in our life. And there's a lot of suffering and grief in that, but there's also so much joy. So I wanted to build this platform where um, I could share that story and talk about, um, you know, my suffering in a very real way, but also talk about the joy. Um, I'm very big on, um, you know, beautiful Instagram photos, but real truth in the captions. Like life is not perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to share that suffering and, um, I want to share, you know, that wrestling in the change and, you know, no matter what we've all been through, we've all been through moments and times and seasons like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually I really want to turn it into a platform where other women can share their stories of unexpected Mm -hmm. change. Um, I really want to build out a, a lot more women like me who can be there for women, um, in these, in these situations. Cause obviously mm-hmm. I can only do so much and I only have, um, so much of my own experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I want to bring all those experiences together and, and, um, allow other women to be there for other women. So my Instagram handle is back in February underscore. Um, and then, like I said, website is back in Awesome. I love it. Is there anything else you want to add or share? Um, 
Well, I'll finish the other story that I was okay. talking yeah. about. The woman who, who was facing um, a lot of shame that she was feeling that she was going to um, go through once she told her family and, you know, told her church community. Um, she was ready to have an abortion. She was really, really, really struggling. Um, and her boyfriend at the time did not want her to have an abortion. And, um, but uh, eventually he said, okay, I'll drive you to the appointment. I want to be there for you. Mm -hmm. And as they're driving to the appointment, he says, can we just stop at this church? He was a non-denominational Christian. So they stopped at a Christian church and they went in and they said a prayer. And then it turned out that the pastor was there and they started to have a conversation with the pastor. And I don't know what they talked about, but somehow she had a change of heart and decided to not go to the abortion clinic. And now today, um, this couple did not stay together, but she is unbelievable. They're both, they both have a great working co-parenting relationship. And, um, she's just so happy. And she's got this little girl who's a little younger than mine. And, um, you know, she's given up so much of her life. She had to move away from family to work 10 hour days. I mean, she's an unbelievably sacrificing mother, but the joy in her life, I just get so much joy out of watching her stories mm-hmm. and, and seeing how this all plays out. And that's another example of a man who was really strong and, and in guiding her in that yeah. decision. And, yeah. um, and so there's just such an opportunity. And I guess I'll leave you on this. If, if anyone listening has been through this experience or is going through this experience now, one, please reach out to me. Um, you can also email me at alexa at backinfebruary.com. Um, but please reach out to me. I would love to talk with you. You know, the biggest takeaway is this is an unbelievably hard time and you're not alone in those feelings. Um, but you will get through this and there is so much joy on the other end and there's so much growth in the suffering. So embrace it. You know, there will be people who surround themselves, surround you with so much love and you know, I'm there for you too. I know Mary Kate would be too. Amen. <laughs> Let's just leave it right there. Thank you so much, Alexa. Of course, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.